Welcome to Harvest with Greg Laurie. This TV show is all about helping you get to know God better because God loves you and God has a plan for you and God wants to transform your life and he's told us everything you need to know about him and life in general in this book, The Bible, The User's Manual of Life. So we're going to be talking about what the Bible says and what God wants to do in your life. Again, welcome and God bless you. put his people in the culture to influence it, to make a difference. God is not calling us as believers to isolate, but rather to infiltrate, to influence. Therefore, to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. That's cold out. Breakfast at Ruby's. I'm going to have my favorite liver and eggs. Yeah, right. Seriously, what are you going to have? I'll split with you if you oh, want. Hi. You want to split? How did you know I wanted black coffee? Perfect. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure, I'll have a black coffee too. Actually, we're ready to order when you are. Go ahead. I just have some of yours. That's okay. You want to split? so much. What? Why don't I just get you your own? I don't, I just want a bite. I'll just have your toast. How's that? You always say I want a bite. That's okay. You like order. More I'll bites, have... more bites, and more bites. Uh, I'll do toast. How's that? You I order the I omelet can... or whatever you're going to get. Okay, I would like a, a cheddar cheese, spinach, and bacon omelet. Is that okay? Yes. Can you do that? Yeah, sure. And uh, what do you want? I'll have sourdough. Sourdough. Yeah. Okay. I'll be right back. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Do you remember it was in a restaurant when I kind of proposed to you? I don't think you ever proposed to me, did you? It was just sort of a well, conversation I don't in, remember. The, in a car, right? So what happened? In a car? No, yeah. it was in a restaurant. No, we went to summer camp together. Yes. And you said, so I guess we're getting married. You better tell your parents. Wow. <laughs> that was it. As I remember, it was, so I guess we're getting married. Huh. Do you <laughs> think that was romantic? No. I do remember that the ring you gave me yes. was, a, was secondhand from a guy so, who proposed to a girl, and she turned him down. We were poverty-stricken <laughs> then. So it worked out my benefit. Yeah, so you see, right. I proposed to this girl, and she turned me down. I said, so what are you going to be doing with that ring? <laughs> The ring off yeah, you. Yeah. You know what I oh, You got a good deal. 150 uh, bucks. I can remember that. And you wore that ring for many years. Yes, I but still have it. You know, here's the thing. It seems to me that that's a lot like 
when it comes to that moment when we're sharing our faith and we want to sort of pop the question, people get really tense. It's like they're afraid to ask. Well, why do you think people are afraid to ask a non-believer after they've been sharing the gospel with them, would you like to accept Jesus Christ right now? I know part of the time is just um, I feel like maybe I'm pressuring yeah. and I don't yeah. like to feel like I'm doing that, but right. um, I've watched you just follow up with that question. Is there yeah. any reason why yeah. you haven't asked Jesus yeah. to come into your life? Um, you've done it many times. I've watched you with your mom and I've watched you with um, just people that you meet in the store, wherever you're talking. It just seems that it's more on your radar. You just seem to have that uh, gift, I'll I say. Think I think anyone can do that. I don't think that's, Thank oh, thanks very much for just some people. I think. How come you got a nice cup and I get a paper cup? Because they want me to stay and they want you to go. <laughs> See, this is like a commitment, like I think be a part be. of the family. And with you, it's like, when you're done, please go. And take that. <laughs> can I have your cup? Please, thank you. That's I'm much nicer. Get this cup. Yeah, that's hot on the outside. Um, I so think which? I think there's two reasons people don't want to ask the question. Number one, a fear of failure. Yes. Because no one wants to be rejected. You know, nobody wants to um, have the person say, I don't want Christ. Why did you ask me this? Go away. It's very awkward, uncomfortable. So fear of failure. But I also think sometimes it's a fear of success. Because, yes. oh, what if they say yes? Then now I what do I do? <laughs> well, first of all, you have to pray maybe in a public place like this or wherever you are. Because I think when a person says they want to accept Jesus Christ, close the deal right there. Don't say, oh, go home and, and close the door and pray. No, no, no. You do it with them. You help them to do it. And then you need to be there in the follow-up process. But, you know, it's, I think we kind of think of it like, like, you know, if you ever go and buy a car and you have to deal with a used car dealer, it's such a game, you know, it's like, you know, you, you're looking at a car and they come over, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm fine. And, you know, and then so the conversation gets going and, and then they ask you that question that drives me crazy. What do I need to do so you would drive this car off the lot right yeah. now? It's like, don't yeah. ask me that. Right. But, uh, you know, and then they, you know they're not really being straight up a lot of times. But so it's like, well, you know, the MSRP on this is so much and I got to go talk to my manager and how much would you be willing to pay? Yeah. And you come in with some lowball offer and then they come back. And their offer is much higher, and they gave you the idea that maybe it would be lower. It's just this game, it drives you crazy. Yeah. So I think we sort of feel like I'm the used car dealer. No, you're not the used car dealer. You are the person asking a person yeah. if they want to change your eternal address. Eternal address. And you have to just overcome the awkwardness of it for the mm -hmm. sake of the objective. And you need to ask the question, would you like to? Man, this is the fastest service Whoa, ever. Thank you. We need yeah, could I get ketchup and Tabasco, please? You know what? This is so big. I actually will share this. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. But I think that, you know, we need to ask that question and just leave the results in God's hands. And, and if the person says, yes, you do it right there, you don't wait. Yeah. You don't put it off because Wasn't that's the moment. Wasn't it D.L. Moody who preached this great sermon once and then um, sent people home to think and pray about yeah. it? And then the great Chicago fire That's right. occurred and so many people died. And he said yes. he would never, ever send people home without giving them an opportunity right then and there to make a profession of faith yeah. and pray, right? That, that's exactly yeah. right. And because those people died, he said, I will never, ever, when preaching the gospel, tell people to go home and think about it. I will try to lead them to Christ right there at impact of this life. We should pray. Yeah.
Lord, thanks for this meal, and we ask you to bless us through our bodies and open up doors of opportunity for us to tell others about you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's Amen. your section. Can this we do is that a for large you? This omelet. is the way we share. We do this. This is the real deal. This is the way we share our food, share our food, share our food. Yeah. Okay. You're taking it? Uh, well, you offered me some. You can have it. Do you remember that old guy that lived in our neighborhood named yes. Roy? Uh-huh. As I recall, mm -hmm. someone told me there was a guy in my neighborhood that had, was a con... What was his problem? Yeah, congestive heart failure. Conge oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, the, he had congestive heart That's failure. Right. So we looked around for him, and I finally met him and just engaged him in basic conversation. And apparently, yeah. I think Roy had been to one of our crusades once. That was sort of the point of reference. And he had to walk every day for his heart. We'd see him. We'd walk every yes, day. We'd see him every day. We'd stop. We'd have a conversation. Well, he would stop. He would be walking, yeah. and then he would stop because he had to catch his breath because yes. he was completely out of breath. And, and he always had heart. questions. Yeah. What about this? What about that? And yeah. it went on and on and on. And honestly, I didn't think I was making a lot of progress with old Roy. And then one day, we're sitting in our house, I think, having breakfast. I looked through the window, and I saw Roy yeah. on the corner, almost like, you know, there he is waiting. I know. He was catching his breath. With, right across I just, from our house. Yeah, I just great. sent the Lord speaking to me, this is Roy's day. So yeah. I just walked across the street. I didn't want to get into any more questions. I just yeah. popped the question. Yeah. I said, Roy, would you like to accept Jesus Christ right now? And much to my delight... He said he yes. Did. We prayed. Yeah. And I came home and told you. And then the next day we saw Roy. Yeah, walking a, on the street. And what happened? And he, well, he said that he had prayed the prayer and yes. that he had been thinking about his own suffering because yeah. of his heart condition. And he was in a lot of pain. And he would say that he thought of Jesus on the cross. Whoa! Because you wonder. Is that too big of a bite? You want to hear, remember what he said? <laughs> Roy said he thought of Jesus on the cross and his suffering for him, and then it made his suffering bearable. Well, I remember one more thing he said. We saw him another day, yeah. and he said, I've just been singing Jesus Loves Me, oh, the I love song that. I learned as a little boy. I was thinking about how much God loved me, and then a little time went by, and we got a knock on our door. It was his, uh, maybe his son, and he said, wanted to let you know that Roy went to be with the Lord yeah. today. But they thanked us for Praying. sharing the gospel. But it was our privilege. And, yes, it was. You know, and I just think that we need to look for opportunities to share the gospel. We need to be open to the leading of the Spirit. Maybe you'll fail, meaning they may say no. But the chances are they could say yes as well. And then you effectively close the deal. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're commanded by Jesus to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not a suggestion. Listen, we must do this. Now, what is the Great Commission? Again, it's to preach the gospel and it's to make disciples. What does that mean? It means to the best of our ability, led by the Holy Spirit, we seek to bring people to Jesus Christ, get them up on their feet spiritually, and then go and do it again, and go and do it again, and go and do it again. And let me ask you this. When is the last time you did that? When's the last time you engaged someone? I believe it can energize you and help you as well as it can help the person you're ministering to. I would compare it to going to Disneyland with adults or kids. It's a drag to go to Disneyland with adults. 
because they complain so much. And, and I would include myself in this. First thing we say is, so stinking expensive. What is it, like a thousand bucks to get in the park now? I mean, it's crazy. So we gripe about that. Then we walk in the park and, oh, they have a place to eat here. Where's a good restaurant? So then we go and eat. And what happens after that? We're sleepy. So we're saying, I know there's adventure land. Is there a nap land here somewhere? And, yeah, that's the problem. And then we go on a ride. That's so fake. That, that, that doesn't look real at all. And we just complain the whole time. You know, it was a lot better when Walt was still around. That's going to Disneyland with an adult. The happiest time for a kid going to Disneyland is when you walk in. The happiest time for an adult at Disneyland is leaving. Now take a kid with you, a child. See it through their eyes. It really is, as the song says, a whole new world. It's a magical place in the best sense of that word. They love it, they're enjoying it. That's why you should take a child. Because, you know, you're standing in line for a ride now. And they have these little signs. If you're at this place in the line, you will be on the ride in one month. It's like, did you have to tell me that? I was happier when I didn't know. But children, they don't care. They love the rides. They love the whole experience. And this can be true of church as well. For those that have known the Lord for a while. Where we become a little jaded. We take things for granted. We start complaining about everything. The music's too loud. Music's not loud enough. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too big. It's too small. And on and on we go. And then if that preacher would dare to add an invitation for people to come to Christ at the conclusion of his message, we see that as an affront. Because he says, now there might be some of you here that don't know Jesus today. And you're thinking, what is he doing? This is going to take longer. And I want to go to lunch. And I've had people, why I'm inviting people to Christ, get up out of their seat and walk out. To me, that is so insensitive. How could we be so out of sync with heaven? Heaven is waiting with bated breath for someone to believe so we can have a victory shout and break out in applause. And we, well, we just want lunch. We just want the service to end. Now, I'm going to tell you how it will change. Bring a non-believer or a new believer with you to church next Sunday. Everything's different. You ever notice when you bring a visitor to the church how you look at everything in a different way because you look at it through their eyes? So while the worship's happening, you're kind of looking at them sideways. Are they liking this? Then maybe if I get up to speak, you're thinking, you're praying, God, don't let Greg tell the lame joke again. Lord, help him, he's so weird. Lord. Or are those my thoughts? I don't know, or my prayers. But then you're praying, Lord, have him give an invitation. Lord, speak to him, show Greg or the pastor to give that invitation. And then when the pastor says, now if you don't know Jesus Christ, here's what you need to do. You're going, yes. And you're praying for that person. And then that person that you brought, if they respond to that invitation and they receive Christ, what a joyful day that is. You see how everything can change when you get a non-believer or a new believer in your life? Listen, this is the command by the Lord. Don't think of this as a mere duty. Don't think of this as drudgery. Think of this as a privilege. Think of this as a joy. Think of this as the greatest opportunity, the greatest adventure ever to share the gospel. Let me say one last thing. To not do this can be hazardous to your spiritual health. You show me a church that doesn't have a constant flow of new believers coming in and I'll show you a church 
that is stagnating. The church is a choice before us. We can evangelize or we can fossilize. And you have a choice before you. You can seek to reach people with the gospel and not be a hoarder, but share with them the truth. And you can be blessed beyond measure. From the best-selling author of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, and Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, comes Greg Laurie's new book, titled Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, which traces the rise, fall, and sometimes redemption journeys of famous rock gods who are brought to their knees and look up to finally meet the one true God. It's all in the pages of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus. You'll discover the excess in self-absorption, but also of sweet salvation and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Greg uses his own memories, interviews, and observation to draw from the lives of rock legends as they descend to the depths of hell before ascending to the highest heaven. Request your copy of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus when you give today. one thing we want to remember the gospel is not given to us to be hoarded it's given to us to be shared let's say i'm the non-believer tell me what you would say well i would say that we're all born in a state where we're separated from god by our sins sins that we know about sins that we don't even know about right. and that our communication with god is blocked yeah. and that he has come into this world revealed himself to us in his son Jesus Christ who right. died on the cross right. and what the purpose of his death and resurrection was was to provide a way for us yeah. to come back into a relationship and in harmony with God yeah. who, who created us and loves us but we are separated by our sins yeah. so I think it's really important that a person understands that they need to acknowledge that they're a sinner and that yeah. they are sorry for their sins why is that important well I think that you know if you don't make that clear that your life is in peril, that you cannot yeah. make your way to God Jesus by Jesus is not hearts, just an additive to your life. And you can't reach him by your own trying to yes. be better or doing good works. That your sins will be a permanent blockade unless you acknowledge that Jesus has died and paid for those sins yeah. on the cross. So you explain that to them and that they can, by simply receiving the gift of forgiveness... We never could deserve it. We can never purchase yeah. it or earn it, but that it's offered to us as a gift. So yeah. they see themselves as a sinner separated from God by their sins, but yeah. that they can receive that gift of forgiveness and eternal life and harmony and fellowship with God. That's right. So that's when you close the deal. And here's what I would suggest is you say, well, let's pray right now. And usually the reaction of a person is here. Right here? Yes, right yeah. here. And, you know, right and I don't do it in an ostentatious way, but oh. if I was like in a restaurant like this and Kathy was that person, I'd say, let's just pray this prayer with me. And, and I would just like lead her quietly in it, or I might take her outside, you know, away from people, but I would lead that person in a prayer. Here's just like sort of a sample of a prayer. I might lead them in. I don't have a scripted prayer, but it would be something along the lines of, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I know that I've broken your commandments. I know I've fallen short of your standards. And I believe that Jesus Christ, your son, died on the cross and shed his blood for me and rose again from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and be my savior and be my Lord. And I'll often pray it 
and have them repeat it after me. You don't have to do this, but I'll pray it and have them repeat it. And, and thank you for loving me and calling me and accepting me in Jesus' name. Now, here's the thing. Can you imagine delivering a baby in a hospital and then just saying, okay, son or daughter, there's a box of Pampers. It's a rough world out there. <laughs> Hang in there and hope you make it. Well, no, babies need to be taken care of. They need to be nursed. They need to be changed. They need to be nurtured. They need to be loved. And when you lead a person to Christ, they're a baby Christian and they need follow-up. And I'm so thankful there was a guy that did this for me named Mark. I didn't even know this guy from Adam's house cat. Do you think Adam had a house cat? No. Yeah. So he he comes up to me after I prayed and accepted Christ on my high school campus. Says, "Hi, my name is Mark, and hi, Mark. Nice to meet you." Says, "Yeah, I want you to come to church with me." And I actually said, "No, that's okay." And he said, "No, you need to come to church with me." And again, I said, "No, I really don't want to." And he said, "Yeah, okay. So what's your address?" And, and I'm going to pick you. <laughs> he wasn't going to take, take no for no. an answer. Yeah. So he picked me up. He took me to church. He introduced me to other Christians. He took me home, he lived with his parents, we were just kids, and I remember sitting around the table after a great meal and talking about the Bible, and they were, he was following up on me. I love and it. And you know, that happened for the Apostle Paul. Remember, he was Saul of Tarsus, yes. the notorious Christian killer. He's converted on the Damascus Road, and God speaks to a guy named Ananias and says, go to Saul and pray for him. And Ananias effectively says, Lord, don't you know how notorious mm -hmm. of a sinner he is? And, and the Lord says, no, go to him. He's praying. Yeah. And sure enough, Ananias shows up and sees Saul with like scales on his eyes after his conversion. And, and he went to him and said, brother Saul, your sight is given back to That's you. Wonderful. Then Ananias helped Saul get on his feet spiritually and then enter another person named Barnabas mm -hmm who comes a little bit later, and interestingly, the name Barnabas means a son of consolation. And so he is there to encourage Paul. Uh, and then Paul goes on to become, you know, next to Jesus, the greatest preacher of the Bible. And so here's the point. You may not be Paul, but you may be an Ananias. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you may be the Barnabas in somebody else's life. Everybody needs an encourager. Mm -hmm someone to show them how to do it. You know, the preacher can only do so much. But I think what new Christians need to see is a real living, breathing Christian showing them how to live this Christian life. Hey, let's go out and eat. This is how Christians go out and hang out. Hey, let's go to a movie. Let's go do this. Let's go to, go to church, of course. Yeah. And all the other things. But I think not just going to church, but regular life. Like, this how is how Christians this, right? function, you know? And, and you show them what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is the Great Commission. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's Mark's version. Then Matthew's version is make disciples and put it all together. Our command from Christ is to go out, share our faith with people to the best of our ability, led by the Holy Spirit, lead people to Christ, then get them up on their feet spiritually, and then go and do it again and go and do it again, and encourage the people you led to the Lord mm -hmm. to go and do it as well. That's what it is to make disciples. Yes. So I hope that all of you now will take these principles that have been shared with you through this film series and put them into practice. Here's your mission. Here's your command from Christ. Go into this world and share his gospel. Go tell someone.
So the mission is clear. We're commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to share the good news anytime, anywhere. So go to your family, go to your neighborhood, go to your workplace, go to your sphere of influence, go and tell someone. Maybe God has spoken to your heart and you have seen your need for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven to this earth. He was born in a manger. He died in a cross. He rose again from the dead. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. Listen, I'm not talking about religion. I don't want to be a religious person. I don't think you want to be one either. I'm talking about relationship with God. Jesus, who died and rose again, stands at the door of your life and he knocks. And he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Question, have you asked Jesus Christ to come and live inside of you? You might say, well, I I think so. I'm not sure. Hey, if someone moved into your house in the middle of the night, do you think you would be aware of it? I'm sure you would. And in the same way, if Christ has come to live inside of you, you will know. And if you don't know, maybe he has not come in yet. He's just a prayer away. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I want this relationship with you. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to go to heaven when I die. Would you like to do that? Would you like Christ to come into your life? If so, why don't you just pray this simple prayer with me? You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But this is a prayer where you're asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Pray this with me now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now come into my life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you just pray that prayer with me? If so, I want you to know in the authority of Scripture that Christ himself has come to live inside of you. And I would love to send to you at no charge something called the New Believer's Bible. It's a very friendly translation of the New Testament. You'll find very understandable. And it's filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've just made to follow Jesus. Let me send that to you at no charge. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. From the best-selling author of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, and Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, comes Greg Laurie's new book, titled Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, which traces the rise, fall, and sometimes redemption journeys of famous rock gods who are brought to their knees and look up to finally meet the one true God. It's all in the pages of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus. You'll discover the excess in self-absorption, but also of sweet salvation and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Greg uses his own memories, interviews, and observation to draw from the lives of rock legends as they descend to the depths of hell before ascending to the highest heaven. Request your copy of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus when you give today. 
Hey, Southern California, Greg Laurie here. You know, there's nothing like gathering together in person to worship the Lord and hear the Word of God. And I want to personally invite you to live worship at our church campuses. There's two you can choose from. Our service times are 9 in the morning and 11 in the morning. So join us as we meet both inside and outside every Sunday morning. 